0: Welcome to Automotive Insiders, the podcast series presented by OESA, the Original Equipment Suppliers Association. You'll hear from automotive industry experts on the critical issues that are impacting the mobility landscape. Get actionable insights on how to thrive in Automotive 2.0. Now, here's your Automotive Insiders host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham.
1: Welcome to Automotive Insiders presented by OESA, the Original Equipment Suppliers Association. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. Very happy to be here. We've got a hot topic for you, and I've invited back two guests from a recent segment. We're going to be speaking with Kevin Foster, Senior Manager in Deloitte's SAP Practice, Leading Innovation in the Automotive Industry. Welcome back, Kevin Foster.
2: How are you? Fantastic, Bonnie. I'll take
1: fantastic anytime. We're glad to have you back. And we're joined by Bill Newman. William is the formal name. He goes by Bill and quotes William Bill Newman. He's still North America Executive Industry Advisor slash chief at SAP. Bill, how are you today?
3: Great, Bonnie. Thanks for having us back.
1: Delighted. Let me do a shout out to a colleague of Kevin's at Delight. We have Natalie Butlin here keeping an eye on us so we behave here on the podcast. And we have Drew Rhodes from OESA here with us as well in the background. We are recording this on Zoom, but you're going to hear our voices on the Voice America Business Channel on the OESA Automotive Insiders page. So there we go. Our topic today, very interesting, when good car companies create great profits and know what they are that's complicated. So Kevin Foster, in case somebody doesn't remember you from the last time you were on a cup, about a week ago, actually, why don't you reintroduce yourself to our audience, please? Kevin, go ahead and welcome.
2: Absolutely. Thank you, Bonnie. And thank you, Automotive Insider listeners for having me. So Kevin Foster, I'm a senior manager out of our uh, Deloitte uh, SAP practice. And I've been born and bred in uh, Detroit here, so obviously when I came out of school, I started my journey at an automotive supplier and continued my way through automotive and manufacturing, working for OEMs, uh, captive finance company, and additional suppliers. So happy to be here uh, with you today talking about these exciting uh, events that are going on in the automotive market.
1: Thank you very much. Kevin and Bill Newman, oh, come on, there's 1.3 people in the world who don't remember you, but just humor them and remind them. Bill, give us the highlights.
3: Hey, uh, Bonnie, thanks again for uh, having me back. So Bill Newman, uh, North America Industry Executive Advisor for SAP. I'm responsible for automotive go-to-market in North America. And uh, got my start in the automotive space um, about 25 years ago after I moved to, um, to Detroit. Uh, love and work uh, brought me here. I was previously an airplane guy uh, and did my uh, MBA thesis on the automotive uh, industry and thought, ah, I'll never build a car. Well, I don't know why I'm studying this. So uh, be careful what you say. Never say never. And uh, 25 (laughs) years plus uh, later, I've uh, had the pleasure of living in in a great area of the country and uh, working with some of the uh, great innovating companies that we have in the automotive industry. So thanks again for having me.
1: Thank you, Bill. Very happy to have you back as always. Kevin Foster sent me three very interesting topics for this episode today. Let me read the first one. Kevin, I'm going to ask you to expand it, or as I say on the news, let's unpack it. Take your time. Give us all the details. And then we'll ask Bill to be the counterpoint. He has the privilege of agreeing or disagreeing. We'll give him that option. So Kevin's topic number one is automotive disruptors and impacts on the current automotive landscape and the capabilities required to operate in the new world. And I'm very curious about how how you're defining that new world. So Kevin Foster, you're
2: up. Talk to us, please. Absolutely. So thanks, Bonnie. You know, this being the year COVID and we're in the recovery stage from COVID, we've seen many disruptors in the auto industry related to COVID and not related to COVID, right? So in terms of if we look at regulatory change, uh, the rise of EV and AV technologies, you know, just the different, you know, customer buying patterns, right? So previously on our, our topic, you talked about, you know, the direct, uh, the consumer purchasing or, you know, internet buying from vehicles, right? Mm-hmm. So if you go back and take a look at that 10 years ago, we wouldn't even have thought about that, right? So if the market is continuously changing and adding new um, challenges for our traditional OEMs who are forcing uh, our distributors, OEMs, and everyone in the market to, have to change and adapt to what's happening and what's going to happen in the future as we start to get closer and closer to unfold the future of mobility, connected vehicles and autonomous.
1: And Kevin, when we're talking about the new world, I'm going to hark back to Six, eight months ago when the automotive manufacturing segment was completely shut down in the U.S., I mean totally. Not a wheel was spinning, not a gear was moving, not a car was coming off the assembly line. And I have that on good authority from Julie Freem, the CEO of OESA. Julie told me then it was true. And the question is, is the new world that the automotive – production line has started again? Is it that people are asking for new cars? Is it that we're probably looking at more emissions controls? Is it is it a combination of everything post-pandemic people are having places to go, Kevin, as it's safe to leave their homes, their enclaves, if you will? Just give me a little more about what this new world is, so our listeners
2: understand. No, absolutely. And, and so what the new world ends up being is is you know automotive now is competing with high tech for chips right so in the market right now many of our manufacturers are having chip shortages which is different in terms of the supply chain when you have the evs spinning up your traditional it doesn't use the same components as your traditional vehicles so you're seeing a change in that market so back at ces i think uh not last year but the year before we start to see automotive suppliers offering the same type of vehicles as our OEMs. So it's really a, a shift in terms of products that are being offered and who the players are going to be in the future. We have many startups from EVs, right? So many entrants into the market. So uh, many disruptions are happening, not to mention consumers and how consumers want to interact with, um, you know, how they purchase vehicles, what they want the new dealer experience to be, right? So. Uh, the consumer and really just the industry in general is being challenged from how it used to operate to where it needs to operate in the future to stay relevant for the market.
1: Thank you very much. Bill Newman, let's get counterpoint from you. What do you think? Agree or disagree or anything?
3: Yeah, for sure. I mean, we've talked about it on this program and others that, you know, battery electric vehicles, hydrogen fuel cell vehicles, both built very differently than our classic internal combustion engine. And you design, you plan, you build, you service them very differently. Um, And we're seeing some big announcements coming from uh, brands like Volkswagen and GM that are going to shift the portfolio of vehicles that they sell to you and me and what we buy and put in our garage um, so that You know, hate to say it, but pretty soon, you know, you won't be able to buy uh, in a a typical dealership um, a gas-powered vehicle. This comes with consequences, right? So dealerships are going to have to sell new vehicles. They're going to have different, um, obviously different targets around them, different uh, expectations of how much money per vehicle they're going to to make. Um, typically, there's higher content and higher margin in those new vehicles that Kevin, you were just talking about. But there's also going to be some higher costs on the back end too as you service those vehicles. Um, You know, those battery platforms uh, and powertrains in these new vehicles, currently, some of them weigh as much as full vehicles themselves. Mm. So, you know, how you actually, you, you can't just go in and swap that kind of stuff out like you do new tires. And oh, by the way. Tires are probably going to look differently as we move into the future, too. So now you've got a whole customer care and service area that's going to have to be kind of trained, learned, in some cases unlearned. And all that's going to have an impact to uh, how, how vehicle programs um, are shaped and, and how they're funded.
1: Bill, please tell me we're not going back to square tires. You
3: know, they didn't work very well <laughs> for me when I used them. but Kevin got you know, it first.
1: <laughs> And and I have a quick question for both of you. In terms of how vehicles will be maintained, we've been hearing for years, and some vehicles probably have these Internet of Things, IoT sensors, where your car will say to you, Kevin Foster, with all due respect, the belt on your radiator is about to break. We've scheduled an appointment for you at George's Garage, 1.3 miles on the right. Take eggs at 23A, and there's also a Big Bob's Big Boy. You can have lunch. We've ordered it for you because we know what kind of shake and burger you like. And the vehicle, the, the, motiva- the, the automotive garage has the part ready, and they'll change your belt in 22.3 minutes, and you'll be back on the road, and you can still get to Mom's for turkey dinner on time. Kevin, Bill, are we anywhere close to that kind of maintenance, Kevin?
2: From predictive maintenance, absolutely. So digital twins in terms of the amount of sensors that we have in vehicles nowadays, (laughs) to be able to track everything related to that vehicle is, is absolutely amazing technology. And what we're now leveraging with that data to be able to connect it linked in with AI, we're nearing that future to where we'll get predictive suggestions based on, you know, marketing, hey, you like this type of food, there's a restaurant up here if you're hungry, right? Or, you know, LinkedIn with your, your, your smartwatch in terms of, oh, you haven't eaten in X hours, you know, you should go, go here. So <laughs> I, it's really a, a near future opposed to a distant future in terms of what opportunities people are leveraging the data and looking to monetize that data for different revenue streams, right?
1: Thank you for bringing that up. I was wondering about that additional revenue streams as part of the profitability goals we've been talking about. Let me move on to another topic from you, Kevin Foster. We're going to talk now about how increased visibility to cost drivers can help businesses accelerate profitability. So you've got the word drivers and accelerator there. I love when you use automotive words in a normal sentence. Kevin Foster, take us through this, please.
2: No, absolutely. So, you know, pivoting on, you know, the new revenue streams, you know, whatever you're selling, you you have to do the cost tracking. So you have to understand if what you're doing makes sense, and you're in a profitable position to help you make those strategic business decisions. And so what, where we take a look at is, do you have the right data model and the business processes set up to collect that in organic nature to where you can not have to put in complex systems, and you can do it through your standard business processes, and get that holistic you know robust reporting out of the back end that gives you that insight into your business. And companies who do that really well on a monthly basis can tell you the actual cost down to a per product level. And once you have that level of granularity, the, the, the strategic decisions that you can do or make with that data is unbelievable. Not to mention that you can now leverage that baseline information into all the next gen capabilities in terms of predictive analytics, anything on top of that, because you have the lowest level of granularity for your cost tracking and profitability, which then you can link into all the different areas of your business, such as R and D sales and marketing, you know, incentives, warranty planning. So really it's that data model and having the proper processes in place to collect it unlocks the value through the rest of the organization and allows you to take advantage of the latest and greatest technology with predictive analytics to get really what you're talking about in Mm -hmm. terms of I can tell you what you need to do with that vehicle before it occurs. And really, then you reduce your costs because you're catching it before it happens and you don't have to worry about that cost of quality.
1: Yes. Thank you very much. I want to move on to topic. Let's see now, Bill, I want your comments on this. We have one more topic from Kevin. Bill, what do you think?
3: Well, just on the predictive side, I think Kevin hit on all the points. I would even add that, you know, predictively understanding what the consumer wants before they know it and being able to upsell them while they're a car owner uh, with over-the-air updates and services, I think, is just uh, another huge upside market and and really potential for um, how to leverage all this new technology, particularly given 5G is, is pretty much here and available now. Okay.
1: Thank you very much. Brief and to the point. Kevin, I have one more topic. I think you touched on it just a little bit, but let's emphasize. You're talking now about how a common data model integration of business processes can help increase the cost savings, increase sales, and our bottom line topic today, profitability. Can you add a little bit for us, Kevin, please?
2: Absolutely. Right. So a, a, back to that profitability is you have costs all throughout, you know, your manufacturing, your sales process, your, your marketing process, and it's how do you collect that cost and even after sales costs, right? So it's being able to track those costs and sales at the individual product level so then when you're looking at the overall uh, model or your portfolio you can then start to accumulate or summarize those costs to see full life cycle profitability or cost for a program and you can start to refine those things or as bill mentioned right so where we go with over the air updates and things of that nature you know Mm -hmm. when you start looking at, at the tesla they're offering services when you first buy the car But then they're getting additional revenue when they sell it in the used market because it's an over-the-air update feature that was available to the consumer when they bought it, and it's non-transferable. So, again, Mm. it's one of those things where the technology has now enabled a new revenue stream for over-the-air updates and additional cost tracking that you now can take through the lifecycle of the vehicle if you have the correct data model in place to capture that data Mm. and to be able to aggregate it.
1: Thank you. And, Kevin, I'm remembering when I bought my I, – I drive Zs. I have the 370Z, and it's a – I think it's a 2015. I don't remember which one. It's pearl white, which sparkles in the sun, and a red ragtop and red leather seats, and it's a wonderful car. And we do 80 on a regular day here in Durham, North Carolina. They don't do 55 or 45. They do 80. So you need something really solid. But what I want to tell you is in order to update the map, the GPS built in, Kevin – when I moved here, the community was about a year and a half old. It was not on the 2015 GPS. It would have cost me hundreds of dollars to update the map on the software in the car. So I used my phone. I paid the equivalent of two months of mortgage for my new iPhone. So why not use that for G- I digress. Bill Newman, let's get your comments on what Kevin said. Go ahead.
3: No, I, I think it's I think it's an interesting conversation. I mean, as we kind of look ahead to all of these new things that are coming, as we we talk, Bonnie, on this the show and others, all the great goodies that we're going to get. There's just a real opportunity to make things easy for the for the consumer, the driver experience, as well as the passenger experience. And I think there's also going to be some uh, a deeper look into uh, how profitable is that. Backseat passenger experience as well. They're they're consuming services also, um, so you know having that full picture together of of cost and um, and and revenue as well as you know place, I think is really going to be an important uh, aspect of uh, how automakers um, carry forward in the years to come.
1: Thank you very much. Interesting. Consuming services, providing services, over-the-air updates. Kevin and Bill, it's an exciting time for automotive, isn't it? And Kevin, do you think that the pandemic stopped this forward motion or did it just give some people a chance to ideate more and create more and think about what's coming next because they knew eventually it would come next. Kevin, just a quick thought. What do you, what's your thought on this?
2: So, you know, when, when COVID first hit, I, we, we've seen an increase in sales, I, I think it slowed a little bit, but I think now what we're looking at is the ideation and multiple you know, launches of EV strategies. So it, we're seeing a lot of momentum in the market in, in terms of new products, services that are coming, uh, and really just both suppliers and OEMs reinventing themselves for new revenue streams and new products that they're offering consumers. So I'm really excited to see what's going to unfold next
1: exciting times. Bill, agree or disagree with that? I like where Kevin's going with this. What do you think?
3: No, for sure. It's it's a great time to be in the industry and there's so many things going on. You know, I, 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 I try to look beyond kind of the current bumps and hurdles that we have crawling our way out of the pandemic. And I look to brighter days ahead where we can really get back to innovating and, and not just innovating, but using innovations, Right. And enjoying the the new experiences that they bring. Um, However, we might decide to to use a vehicle, you know, whether it's a cross country tour or hauling our boat to the lake and enjoying a nice weekend with the family, whatever that might be. The car is part of our American fiber, and I'm really excited to see where it goes next.
1: It is, and you didn't say bringing your car to the vineyard, did you, Bill? But that's a sidebar we didn't cover. Bill's Bill's a wine guy. There we go. Out there with the grapes. Kevin Foster, it's been such a pleasure and a privilege to get to know you, Senior Manager at Deloitte Consulting, LLP. And a shout-out to your colleague, Natalie Butlin, is here with us. Watching from the sidelines, I think she's approving. And we have Drew Rhodes from OESA is with us as well. Drew, welcome to Automotive Insiders. You're going to be working with me going forward, looking forward. To that. Bill Newman, it's always a pleasure and a joy speaking to you. I learned so much. And whoever invited Kevin, thank you because I enjoyed meeting you. And Kevin, I hope you hope you come back. And thank you to our engineer Josh at Voice America Business Channel. Bonnie D. Graham signing off for another very interesting, timely, topical, relevant, and I think fun topic here on Automotive Insiders presented by OESA. Everybody wave bye
0: bye. <laughs> Thanks again for tuning in to Automotive Insiders, presented by OESA. Listen at your convenience to industry thought leaders as they discuss the ever-evolving industry and how companies can thrive in the new mobility landscape. All episodes are on demand on the Voice America Business Channel and at OESA.org. Automotive Insider is presented by the Original Equipment Suppliers Association.